This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you'll take your Bibles, I want to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 4. One of the interesting things about living on earth is the fact that God created it all here. Of course, he created the universe. Everything functions in his creation according to his perfect will. There's only one place on earth where God gets resistance, and where is that? I heard you say it's the human heart. Everything else functions according to his plan, even with the fall. But because of the fall, man is resistant to do what God wants. Even an apostle, as we saw this morning, the Lord tells him something three times, and he, he still needs to be convinced. He's still not sure that the Lord knows what he's talking about, and it's, it's weird to even say that. that. That was Peter's mind, and we all struggle from time to time that way. This morning we talked about being a witness to those that are lost. This afternoon, God has burdened my heart to talk about your heart my heart, and how we respond to God's word. This is a message that I preached in Haiti, had the opportunity on a Wednesday night to preach for a pastor in the port city where we were, a large city. And as I preached to those Haitians that night from this text, it sobered me that as I preached, I was talking to a number of people that didn't have Bibles in their laps. Do you want to guess why they didn't have Bibles in their laps? Can't read. And so as I was challenging them to go to the Word of God, to have a heart that says, Lord, whatever you show me, I'll do it. Lord, Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your law, like David said, so that when you show me, I can do it. Only in that setting, a lot of those folks are absolutely dependent on whatever they hear in their local church from their pastor because they can't read. We can read. We have the scripture. But what do we do with the word of God? I want to look at an account together, Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. If you'll follow along, and, and I want to share with you from a message that the Lord taught in a synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown. It says in verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. You'll remember that right after his baptism, the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness. In 40 days, 40 nights, he's tempted by Satan. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he had surrendered his will to the will of the Spirit. And it's through the Spirit's power then that he did his earthly ministry. And so he heads into Galilee, the area where he grew up. Verse 15, he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. So from town to town, and these are really just villages, 
the Lord is going to the synagogues and he's teaching. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now let's, let's put ourselves in this setting. A synagogue was really a, a horseshoe uh, style building. It was long, okay, if you can imagine, with seats that were built of stone all the way around this horseshoe. When you entered the synagogue, many times uh, either at the back and then lots of times at the, or in the front of the, the structure or in the back is where they kept the scrolls, where they kept the word of God. Young man, if you were 12 years old and you had had your bar mitzvah, you were considered an adult now, 12-year-old, in that town. You could have a place, a seat, your own designated seat in the synagogue, and you were allowed to read from the Holy Scriptures. And they took turns doing this. So the place is probably full. Jesus has come in. No doubt his disciples are with him. He takes his place and he stands up for to read. And so he's standing there and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now think about how big Isaiah's prophecy is. This is a big scroll. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. Now, where he began to read is Isaiah 61. So he's a good ways into this scroll. What's interesting is these scrolls did not have chapters and verses. So he is unrolling this. He's probably got an assistant because the scroll is so large. He's unrolling it. He's looking for the place where he's going to read. And of course, the Lord, who is all-knowing, who this is his word, uh, finds the area that we're going to look at in just a moment, Isaiah 61, and he begins reading there. And so here's what he began to read. He found the place where it was written. I'm in verse 18 now of Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then verse 20 says, and he closed the book. All right? So the scroll, he's holding it, maybe with an assistant, he's reading the acceptable day of the Lord, and he stops. Now those in the synagogue know there's more to that text. And the Lord indicates it's time to roll up the scroll, and so they take it from him. Now put yourself there. People are wondering. One of the reasons they're wondering is because he was so knowledgeable of what he had just read. It's, it's almost like he had said those words. Their eyes are fixed on him. He gave it again to the minister and sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. 
we're going to see that they were captured by how he read the scripture, but their eyes are also fastened on him for another reason, and it's that other reason that I want to challenge us with today. The thrust of the text, as we will see, is this. Jesus wants to speak to every one of our hearts. The Lord wants to speak to your heart. He wants to speak to my heart. Isn't that amazing? The God who made you wants to keep talking to you. And in his speaking to your heart, he wants to give you direction, encouragement. He wants to fellowship with you, reassure you of his love. He wants to speak to your heart. But here's the qualifier. God will only speak to your heart if you have a heart to do what he says. The Lord wants to speak to us, but he'll only speak to your heart if you have a heart to do what he says. Now, can we prove that from the text? Let's read on. And he began to say unto them, this day is this scripture, and what's the next word? It's fulfilled in your ears. That made everybody sit up in the synagogue and say, what? Isaiah wrote this centuries ago. And this day, what you've just read, is fulfilled in our ears? You just fulfilled this? Yes. Now, I mentioned, it wasn't like the others who read from the scrolls in the synagogue. All bear him witness and wondered at his gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So gracious words. They could tell not only authority, but there was compassion. Authority because it is his word. He wants to speak to your heart, but he wants you to understand he's the authority and not you. What do you think when you open your Bible? If you open your Bible. What do you think as you're reading the word of God? Do you open it as the mind of God to you and it's authoritative? What you read applies to you. You and I are responsible for it. But not only is it authoritative, it's gracious. Even the hard parts are gracious. Makes me think of a loving parent who gives a command to a child. The child says, that's hard, that's not going to be fun. I don't like that, but it's set out of compassion because the parent wants the best for the child. That's what God's word is to us. Now, it was also gracious because, back up to verse 18, what was it that Jesus said was fulfilled in their ears? He hath appointed or anointed me, sent from God, to preach the gospel to the poor. Here's good news for everybody, even the poor. This week, 
will have the opportunity to proclaim the gospel. Children that come from all kinds of backgrounds. But honestly, isn't it true that without Christ, we're all poor? Without God, we have nothing. So he's come to minister to everybody, to send them to, uh, and has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Have you ever had your heart broken? Have you ever had experiences where it's just proverbially somebody has pulled the rug out from under you? What do we do now? He was sent to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. And by the way, there are all kinds of things that can hold us captive. Sin, addiction, fear, grief, the recovering of sight to the blind. Now this was, this was what the Lord was doing physically. Blind people were receiving their sight. But you know, as the Lord taught, people who were spiritually blind, they were receiving sight too. And to set at liberty them that are bruised. The idea here, those who are captive, those who are being buffeted, those who are captive to uh, hard circumstances in life and perhaps even literal slavery. Liberty to the bruised. And to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now verse 19, what that is talking about, again, from Isaiah 61, is that he is fulfill the fulfillment of what the prophet said. Remember, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Right on schedule, just as predicted, think about this, in God's perfect timing, the acceptable year of the Lord, his first coming. And when Jesus came, everything Isaiah predicted, Jesus was there to do, and he did it. And so as the Lord is speaking in the synagogue to the Jews, he says, this day is this being fulfilled in your ears. Now let me just share something wonderful that also happened in this message, and then we're going to continue. Remember I mentioned this was Isaiah 61. Would you go back to Isaiah's prophecy? I want to show you something that the Lord did in this message. Chapter 61, and let's look at verse 1 together. See if any of this sounds familiar. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that's where Jesus stopped. But notice that's not where Isaiah stops. The end of verse 2. And the day of vengeance of our God. The second part of verse 2 is all about the second coming of Jesus. He came the first time as Savior. How is he coming the second time? King, judge. 
In fact, when he comes back the second time, he's going to come over the valley of Armageddon and there's going to be a massive army there of all of the European armies from the north, the, from the uh, east, all of the armies uh, that would include all of those Arab nations and Bible scholars believe even going all the way to China, going to the sea. They are all pouring in there because they've had it with the Jews. They're going to fix the Jewish problem. What they haven't taken into account is the Jewish king. And he's going to sweep over the valley of Armageddon. You and I are going to be with him. Whether you like to ride horseback, have ever ridden horseback on a glorified body, nothing to worry about. And we're going to have a front row seat as King Jesus judges the earth. Now, he's already been doing it for seven years in the Great Tribulation. But he's going to come back, and the scripture talks about a sword coming from his mouth. What is that? Not a literal sword, it's just his word. And like a sickle, it's going to mow through those armies there in the valley of Esdraelon. And when the Lord gets done, the blood is going to flow to the level of the horse's bridle. Next year when we go to Israel, and some of you have already been there, you're going to get to see that Esdraelon Valley between 20 and 26 miles long. And at, at points 5 to 7 miles wide. And it's going to be a blood pool. Wow. Judgment. And King Jesus is going to sit down on the Mount of Olives. He's going to split that mount open. And he's going to march into the east gate of Jerusalem. And he's going to sit on his throne. And he's going to start a thousand year reign. Wow. But in the synagogue in Nazareth, you know what? Jesus left that part out. He wasn't there to judge. He wasn't there to claim condemnation. He was there to save. Now let's go back to Luke chapter 4. This is who our Lord is. This is what he wants to do. And really most of verse 18 is figurative or at least talking about uh, what the Lord wants to do in our lives and in our hearts, but it can only happen... If we have a heart to do what he speaks to us about. So let's prove that point now. And I, this is clearly from the text. They bear him witness, but already there's doubt. Verse 22, they said, is this not Joseph's son? <laughs> He's making claims, but we watch this kid grow up. His dad's a carpenter. A local carpenter. How can he be the fulfillment? So there's doubt. And so Jesus said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Now they've been hearing. He's been healing the sick, the lame, helping the, the lame to walk, the blind to see. He is doing all these things. Okay, we've heard you're a great physician. The Lord knows their hearts. They're looking on him. Part of the reason they are, they want to see some of these miracles here at home. Physician, heal thyself. Heal thy people. 
Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. That's the first indication here, the real indication. They really don't want to hear what he is saying so that they can respond in obedience. They don't want to believe who he is. They don't really want to hear so that they can, listen, so that they can follow. I'll admit to you, growing up in a church just like this one, saved at a young age, I heard more messages than I can count. How many of those messages did I sit out there and I heard the message and it was a message and I knew that how much time I had to endure this? How many of those messages did I really listen with an ear, Lord, whatever you say to me, I will obey. Now God was patient with me. And, and I had to just grow up. And later God still was trying to speak to me. I began to listen more and more. And, and God was able to have his way in this life. He's so gracious. But my challenge today is God wants to speak to you. He will speak to you if you have a heart to obey. But listen, he doesn't have to speak to you. This is going to be the point that our Lord drives home. Verse 25, he's going to use a couple of illustrations. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. He's referencing 1 Kings 17. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent save unto Zarephath, and this is, you see the Greek word for it here, a city of Sidon, unto a woman who was a widow. All right, so let's, let's stop, and let, what is the Lord talking about here? Here's, here's what he's saying. There were many widows in Elijah's day. Elijah prayed for three and a half years, it didn't rain. Things dried up, things burned up. Uh, folks were in a desperate place. But how many of those Israelites really wanted to hear the word of the Lord from Elijah? How many? Not many. In fact, Elijah later complains to the Lord, I'm the only one left. Remember that? Now there were others, uh, thousands that hadn't bowed the knee and the Lord tells him that but in reality Elijah feels like he is all by himself and so when the brook dries up and God needs to take care of his prophet God sends Elijah not to any Israelite he sends him to Zarephath by the way do you know who is from Zarephath a queen by the name of Jezebel who was the king of Zarephath? Her daddy. Okay, so Elijah, I'm going to take care of you. Go to Zarephath. Uh, Lord, <laughs> could you say that again? Sends him to Zarephath. And oh, by the way, here's who's going to take care of you. There's this, this rich guy. No, wasn't that. I'm going to send you to a widow. 
all right, Lord, you've kept me alive uh, through birds of prey and a little brook. And Okay, so he goes. He gets there, and this widow is so glad to see him. No, she says to him, I've got a little bit of food left. I'm, I'm getting sticks. I'm going to uh, use that to, you know, for the fire to prepare this food. And my son and I are going to eat it and we're going to die. But Elijah says, okay, you go prepare the food for me. I'll eat and then you feed your son, you and your son. And what did the widow do? I don't have enough. Would you please go away? No, no. She goes, does exactly what the man of God had said. And you'll remember, he eats, and she and her son ate for months. She heard the word of the Lord with a heart to obey. God knew that's what she would do. And so nobody else in Israel got the blessing, but this widow in Zarephath did. Jesus uses that example and all these people in Nazareth are listening <clears throat> and what's the point? You don't have a heart to obey any more of those people in Elijah's day had a heart to obey. Now this is later confirmed because Elijah's on Mount Carmel and what does he say to the nation as a whole? He says, why do you halt between two opinions? Well, let me see. Is Baal God? Or is Jehovah, is he God? You don't know? This man of God prayed to God and for three and a half years you haven't had rain. This isn't hard to figure out. And oh, by the way, Baal, that's what your king and queen, they, they serve the Baals. Baal hasn't helped you. Why are you halting between these two opinions? If God is God, serve him. And then Elijah prays, God rains down fire from heaven, consumes the altar, the prophets of Baal are slain. Was Israel convinced? Can't really tell from scripture. All right, so the Lord wants to speak to your heart. But he'll only speak to hearts who have a heart to obey and follow. Is that your heart? Wasn't the heart of the people in Nazareth. But the Lord's not done. Here's the second illustration. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. Again, 2 Kings 5. And none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Now this really gets these folks in Nazareth worked up because the widow of Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian, these are enemies of Israel. And so there were all these lepers in Elisha's day. But there's this Syrian captain, he's named Naaman, and one day he discovers he's got leprosy. What am I going to do? This is fatal. This prognosis is a death sentence. And so he's talking to his wife, and there's this little Jewish girl that during one of the raids of the Syrians into Israel, she is taken captive. Now let me just speak to you young people for a minute. 
if a band of army raiders came in and ripped you out of your home and took you to a foreign country to serve the captain of that army, what would your attitude be? Oh, this is exciting. Oh, no. I will never get to see my parents again. How is this going to turn out? But you know what? She is trusting the Lord. She's part of this equation. I love her faith. And she says, oh, excuse me, Mr. Naaman. There's a prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha. If you will go to him, I believe that he can help you be cured from leprosy. Now, Naaman is a man of faith. So what does he do? He heads back into Israel. He needs to find this Elisha. And so he goes there, and you remember the story. They knock on Elisha's door. Gehazi comes. He relays the message to the prophet, and the prophet says, all right, this is what he needs to do. He needs to go to the Jordan River, dip how many times? Seven times, and he'll be cleansed from his leprosy. And so Naaman gets the message and he goes, well, that is, that is such a clean therapeutic uh, piece of, of water. That it, no. He's furious. It's filthy. Aren't there better rivers in Syria? I'll go d dunk in those, all right? I'll, I'll go there. And, and the soldiers say, sir, if he had asked you to do something hard, you would have done that. Just, just dip in the river. And so he goes in one time, two times. I remember my Sunday school teacher teaching me six times. Well, obey God, seven. He comes up out of that river the seventh time. Leprosy's gone. Skin like a baby. God healed him. Why? Because God knew this man would hear the word of the Lord with a heart to obey. He, he was willing to obey. I'll go dip in the, the, the uh, rivers in Syria. He, he had a heart to obey. He's convinced. He's helped. God's patient. God's merciful. He's convinced that if you'll just do the word of the Lord, God will heal you. And so, have you ever thought about this? Naaman goes back to Syria. His leprosy is gone. And all the way back to Syria, he's passing households in Israel. There are lepers, and they're going to die lepers. By the way, could they have not gone to Elijah for help to hear the word of the Lord? Sure. But the Lord's point is this. Naaman was willing to believe. So the widow, Naaman, they had heart to hear the word of the Lord. And they were willing to obey, and God did a mighty work on their behalf. Jesus didn't have to give an invitation. Look at verse 28. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. There was lots of conviction in their pla that place. And they rose up and thrust him out of this city and led him under the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. 
When you visit Nazareth, you get to see how that's configured there right on the side of the Esdraelon Valley. If you could stand in the Esdraelon Valley, the Valley of Megiddo, the Valley of Armageddon, you would see a large cliff wall that goes all along that valley. This is lower Galilee. Over here is the Sea of Galilee. And all that up there is upper Galilee. Jesus, as a boy, could walk out of Nazareth right up to the edge of those cliffs and look down over the valley where one day he will be victorious as king of kings. But on that day, they took him out to that same place and literally, they were going to throw him off that cliff down onto the floor of the Esdraelon Valley, hundreds and hundreds of feet. And so they're pushing him and they're dragging him. And Jesus said, okay, time for me to move on to my next ministry spot. And he just passes through the midst and he's gone. But what is the point and what is the point that they missed? but the point God wants all of us to see. Again, Jesus will only speak the hearts of those who will obey. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you heard a message and it moved you? When's the last time? Certainly we can all remember times. We hear a message and... You've heard this statement. It's like somebody took a two-by-four and smacked me right between the eyes. Wow, wow, God spoke to me. When's the last time that happened? Now, sometimes, sometimes it's on the preacher. But if he is proclaiming the word of God, here's what I can guarantee you. God is trying to speak to your heart. But he'll only do it if you have a heart to obey. Now, obviously, on the other side of that is direction from the Lord, blessing from the Lord, growth from the Lord, your sanctification. But do you have a heart to obey? Here's why I'm so burdened about this. It is very easy for you and I as a Christian to become stagnant in our Christian life. You know what I mean by that? Time when we're hungry for the things of God, we want to see God use us, we want to see God work, and then something changes. And it can be so subtle. We just go through the motions. I go to church, I sing, I worship the Lord, I give my tithes. And, but, oh, I remember those times that God moved me, and it's been a while since I've had one of those times. Could it be because we have ears to hear, but not a will to do. And what does the Lord say to us? Don't be just hearers of the word, but doers. And if you're not a doer, you deceive yourself. God didn't give us this book to fill our head. He gave us this book to direct our way. So don't be like those in the synagogue in Nazareth. Well, I, I like to hear good preaching. 
I, I, you know, I, I like to hear illustrations, and, and I, I just love to put the pieces together in God's Word. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, but that is not the primary reason God gave us His Word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our way. God gave it to us so he can change us with it. So the next time you have the opportunity to hear from the word of God, you need to have a conversation with the Lord. Lord, let me behold wondrous things out of your law, and what you show me, I'll do it. And if that's your heart, he's going to show you amazing things. And God's going to use his word to change you into his image. Let's pray together. Father, this is a hard exam, uh, illustration story to look at because really what the people in Nazareth were doing was rejecting you. In fact, they were so upset with what you showed them, they were willing to try to destroy their Messiah. But Lord, we, we are so much more refined. We smile, we say amen, and we hear the word. But Lord, are we really listening with a heart to obey? God, I would pray that you'd help this pastor. When I go to your word, uh, Lord, to have a heart to do whatever it is that you're going to show me to do. And Lord, would you give us a church that hungers after truth and where we purpose that what we hear by your grace through your strength and enablement, we're going to do what you say. So Lord, help us to respond even right now with whatever it is that you've spoken to us about. We pray these things, thanking you for loving us, for speaking to us, and for desiring to use what we hear to make us more pleasing to you. That's what's best for us. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened. And we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.